Every year during the Easter Vigil, the Catholic Church around the world welcomes many people into our faith. But this year, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, their baptism will have to wait. For how long? We don't know yet. One of the elect from the Church of St. Thomas More is Ramesh Seishan, and today he shares his thoughts on waiting to be a Catholic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Catholics at Home, which is produced in collaboration with the Catholic Research Centre of Kuala Lumpur. My name is Kachang Kevin and my co-host today is Mark Darren Lee. Mark, how are you doing? Hi Kevin, doing good? Feeling now, good? Mark, and, yes. Mark, we've added our podcast to a few other places apart from Facebook. Can you tell our viewers where they can watch or listen to us? So hi everyone. I mean, uh, if you're new to Catholics at Home, we welcome you. Um, so today we, we are at a couple of channels, on, but we'd like you to follow us on, in Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and also follow us. We just added Spotify, so please do join us and subscribe to our Spotify uh, podcast. Yes, a lot of people listen to a lot of different podcasts on Spotify, so if that's your favorite channel, then why not listen to us there? Also joining our conversation is Father Clarence Devadas. Hello, Father. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Now, Hi, Father. Now, Father, in many and various industries, they have their own peak time when you feel a rush of work and excitement. Like for me in the radio industry, we have uh, survey periods twice a year. For priests and those who work in the church, I'm assuming that the Holy Week and the Easter Triduum would be your peak. Are you feeling the rush and excitement this year, despite all that's <laughs> happening with COVID and M MCO? No, usually this is the time when we are all exhausted. You know, we are all trying to, you know, make uh, things happen in our churches. Well, this year is so different. Huh? Uh, in some ways, you know, there's no physical exhaustion because we are all confined to our homes. Uh, but the spiritual intensity, I think, it's there still. You know, uh, so I myself, I'm trying to find ways how to, you know, spend some time in prayer, uh, reflecting uh, on this whole mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection, which is. As we have been saying, you know, it's it's the core of our faith. Uh, it's it's the high point of our of our our celebration, especially uh, in the church. So it's different, uh, but yet it gives time for personal reflection and time for personal prayer too. Yeah, that's great. I think that's very important. I know uh, most Catholics, some of them would actually apply for leave during Holy Week just to get that personal space and time for reflection. And well, what do you know? We, we do have all the time right now staying at home. All right. Our special guest for today is in the RCIA program at St. Thomas More in Subang Jaya. A warm welcome and hello to Ramesh Station. Hi, Ramesh. How are you? Hi, Kevin. Fine. All right, Ramesh, I understand you're an architect and you have your own practice. Has the MCO affected how you go about doing your work? Um, for my office practice-wise, obviously, of course, cash flow is affected now because half the projects that we have on site can't move. We can't, they can't move. The contractors can't work. So those projects are affected. But the other half, we still have a lot of work uh, still in design stage, so we can still do design and drawings. And uh, when, we set, when I set up our office uh, back in 2012, we already set up office to be mobile. That means all my staff actually work on laptops and stuff. So they basically, they have the flexibility of working at home. So as far as we're concerned during this MCO period, it's kind of uh, nothing new to us because we are, most myself and my staff, we are actually used to working at home as an event necessary. So we can still proceed with the whatever projects we have in hand. So we're trying to push for those now. 
basically to cover up for the jobs that can't move. Um, won't we won't die, but it's uh, it's a, it, it is a bit tight, lah. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, many people who are used to working at home and so this time, this MCO is just business as usual. Now, before we begin today's topic, just like to make a quick shout out to Anne, Sylvia, Imelda, Miranda, Jonathan Pomas, Gregory, Achuta, Angeline Lee and all of you watching who have sent us pictures and kind messages about our show. Thank you very much for that. Just to remind you, we're still inviting anyone and everyone to share pictures of how uh, you have celebrated or decorated your homes for Holy Week. Just post them on our Facebook page, Catholics at Home Podcast. All right, on to today's show as we speak to Ramesh, who is about to enter the church. Uh, Ramesh, can you tell us what made you want to be a Catholic in the first place? Okay. Um, okay, let's, let's, let's go back history a bit. Uh, uh, basically, my, my family, we were, I mean, we were raised as Hindus. My parents were Hindus, uh, teachers. But basically, we were not. We didn't. We were not really, really into the whole religion and stuff. My father used to take me to temple and all that kind of things. Uh. But at the same time, uh, when we, my brother and I, the only two of us, when we were young, because my parents were from the, during the British period, and my parents were both teachers, my both from from missionary school. So I grew up with the Bible. I mean, we had the you know the children's Bible. We had my my mom had her own Bible. And I used to remember reading, knowing all the the stories on the biblical stories, even when I was very young. And we never really practiced even Hinduism outside. So in a sense, we were fairly free thinkers in that, in that sense. You know? So of course, when I went to the university, and of course, the, the, so the Bible was something, and the sanity in that sense was always something that's kind of the back of my mind. Like we knew about it because I suppose it was in English, there's a lot of information about it. And early on in my high school years, I was kind of interested in a bit of theology, so I did read up on the other religions and things like that. Lah. And I suppose when I went to university, when I when I finally left home, we studied. I studied in Singapore, and then in the whole UTM for my lecture. Uh, I of course at times when you're feeling down and stuff, and I I remember I had my mom's Bible with me. It's a small pocket Bible, which I still have. My daughter is using it now, and I used to read some lines from it and stuff. And of course, during the time I was in university, I met up with some friends, and I did follow them to church. And that, but again, it was just. I didn't take anything seriously. Uh, I suppose it all came down to when I finally got married. I got married in 2008. And of course, my wife is, uh, my wife and her family are Catholics. So when we went, even when we went for the, um, uh, the preparation for marriage course, with, uh, the time was with Father Paulino and CDM. And of course, we have to make sure that our, our kids were raised as Catholics. I, to me, it was, that was the way to be, for it to be done. So I had no issue with that. So we've been married. 12 years, 13 years now, I've got two kids. So both kids are baptized. They're raised as Catholics. My wife's Catholic. My in-laws are Catholic. We go to church. I take them to church. But the whole thing about the RCIA, it's never quite... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, I never saw a need for the RCIA uh, until recently. But I think that's the next question. Uh, so just given... Sorry. I mean, basically, um, so we've been living as... I've been living as I said. We've been going to the church, taking the kids, you know, making, sure, making sure they get baptized. But I think last year, what happened... I think I mentioned this to Kevin. My wife uh, tricked me uh, into RCIA. She actually signed me up without mm -hmm. letting me know about it. So the story with that was... Uh, I think this was about two... Uh, oh, I, I had two bouts of uh, dengue. So last year, I, I came down with dengue second time. And it was really, really very bad. So, of course, and I think my wife later, she told me that she really, really prayed and prayed. and told she, I think she made a promise to Jesus that if I do get better, she will make sure 
I go for RCIA, which of course she didn't tell me this. So I, well, I remember I was in a trip, I had, was a business trip in China, and I suddenly got a call from Teresa, Auntie Teresa, and she said, I'm actually coming this Sunday, right? I'm like, who are you? Sunday for what? <laughs> you know? And that was the first uh, RCIA class. So I, and so that's basically how it happened. I mean, I was tricked into coming for RCIA, in a sense. That was last, last July, yes. That's when we first started first class. Yeah, so having said that you were tricked into it, I just want to know at the beginning, was there a lot of resistance on your part? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so that first class, so normally my wife was my sponsor, is my sponsor. So by right, the sponsor is supposed to come with you. So that first class, I remember that day, because first of all, it was her birthday and she had an office trip, office outing. So that first class, I didn't, she didn't even come with me. So I went for the first class at STM and I think I was one of the last to enter because she put my name in last. So I was in one of the smallest groups. There was only two of us. And I remember that first day I was really upset. I was like, what's this about? You know? So the first few classes were actually, I, I was actually very reluctant to go for the classes because uh, I mean, the first class they were talking about, you know, and they were all asking the same questions. Why you want to be Catholic? Why? And to me, it was like, it's, you know, they were asking, well, what led you to become Catholic? So it was the same story. I was telling everyone over and over again. So the first two classes was pretty much that. And it was on STM was on a Sunday evening, I remember. And at that time, I was quite busy. So I, I, so it's, I, I was actually very reluctant. I mean, my wife, we had a kind of a bit of an argument and a fight. So my wife told me, if you don't want to go, don't go. It's up to you, you know. So I said, never mind. Let me just go for it. But the first few classes, I did miss, I think the first five or six classes, I only went for about two or three. And um, I think the changing point was, I think there was one class. I can't remember when, one of the early classes, maybe the class six or seven. I remember the speaker was Colin. And uh, I can't remember what the topic was about, but I remember at that topic, I was suddenly very interested in what he spoke about. And then it hit me that because I always uh, felt that I knew enough about the Catholic faith because of my readings and stuff. I used to argue with my wife that I know more than her. But actually during the class, that first class, there was a lot of things that they spoke about during class, which I did not know about. And that got my interest. That got my interest. So I was like, hey, cool. I didn't know about this. So when I went back after class, I started talking to my wife and my in-laws. They were like, hey, they also didn't know about this. That's when I realized actually the RCI classes for adults are actually a lot more um, uh, in-depth than compared to someone who grew up as a creator Catholic. And then that's when I started reading more about those topics. And from that point, I think that's when the, that was a turning point. And I kept looking forward to classes after that because more for, hey, I want to know more about this thing. I want to know more about this. And because I found out there's even things I learned from class that even my wife and my in-laws don't know about. So I think that's when the interest started. Yeah. But the first two months, that was bad. I was looking for any excuse I could find not to go for class. So I think after the first two months, third month onwards, then I started to kind of enjoy the classes as well. Would so, you, would so you, yeah. Sorry, Father. Sorry. Now, would, would you say, Ramesh, that, you know, uh, you know, you said that you started off with some kind of resistance uh, towards going for RCI. Would you say that there was one, one specific moment where you... You said that you know that resistance changed into acceptance. Can you point to a particular particular moment? Uh, yeah, I mean it was that class. Uh, that I think it was class seven, six or seven when I went to, and, and the, because I, I think I found the topic. I, I can't remember what the topic was about. I think it was about faith or Mother Mary. I got I got to go dig up my notes. Which one is it? But that was actually quite interesting because, and I think the speaker also was very um, was uh, very good. I mean it was was Colin. Uh, and he was very good. So it, it got my interest in the class and what he was talking about, and I wanted to know more. So I think that was that was that turning point. 
Uh, I think, yeah, I remember my wife was here. The class was about Mother Mary, actually, yeah. Talking about Mother Mary. And I think that was the turning point. Amen to that. <laughs> hey, Ramesh, if your wife wants to join us here, she's welcome to, you know, just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll give her all the credit for tricking you into uh, RCIA. <laughs> yeah. But just want to find out with, from you, I mean, uh, in this past eight or nine months, um, has there been any part where you felt like, hey, maybe it's uh, I want to quit or maybe there was a certain challenge which you were facing throughout that whole journey because it's actually a long period for in that journey yeah. of RCIA and you're with different people you know what I mean and, and I'm sure you're going through uh, what you, what happens in the sessions and you go back to re- the real world you're going to have a mix of feelings and uh, uh, emotions and were there anything which made you want to quit or yeah did you have second thought the, 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 okay so, you know, when, I'm, when I'm talking about quit I'm not talking about quitting I'm talking about quitting the class okay uh, <laughs> at the beginning I used to argue my wife is like hey you know I'm I'm already I, I mean what's what's the big deal why do I need to get baptized or confirmed I, I didn't quite understand that and then uh, I think that's when we started talking because you know my, my, my wife's concern back then was if anything happens to me I think that's the reason if anything happens to me I won't get uh, buried in this in a in a Catholic cemetery so I think that was her, her main concern of course when I as I went along people used to ask me that hey, you know if you're not baptized you can't take the Holy Eucharist and back then I it wasn't a big deal to me because I suppose if you've never had it there's nothing to miss because we I go to church I go to mass with the kids and the kids all go my wife all go and take the Holy Eucharist and I just sit back and down and people ask me don't you think that's odd you're not following a family I'm like no not really so uh I did to me it was nothing wrong with continuing the way that I am. I mean it's not being baptized because as long as the whole family is uh we we're, we're still celebrating as in uh, as as a family. And I so after that first two months I felt say when I started getting interested in classes, there was nothing more. But the only other thing that I was not looking forward to was the retreat. I'm not a big fan of all these uh you know, retreats and uh company activities and all that kind of stuff. So I was always like, ah, I really don't want to go for a retreat, really don't want to go for a retreat. Uh, but the retreat did happen, and that was just the last, uh, last uh, towards the end of February in, in, uh, in Port Dickson, and my wife came along. Oh, by the way, my uh, we're supposed to get a god, choose a godparent, right? So I chose my mother-in-law as my godparent. So my mother-in-law is now my godparent. My godmother. Nice move. Smart move. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good strategy, actually. So, uh, so, so we went for the camp with my wife, and uh, the camp was two and a half days. It turned out. It wasn't what I expected. I was pre- preparing myself for ah, this is gonna be a really boring kind of thing. But it was it was interesting. It was quite an eye opener. I think that camp that retreat really. A lot of people told me that the retreat will change how you look at things. I I, I was very skeptical, but uh, now I can see yes, it, it, it made a difference. So, so what suppose, did it change in terms of uh, what 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 you were thinking? Uh, no, I mean. That's okay. This one's a bit of story for my wife. My wife has always had a personal relationship with Jesus. And I think when she was very young, she, she and her brother claimed that they actually saw Jesus in the house and he spoke to him. So my wife has that very personal relationship where she can speak. Where for her prayer, it's actually she speaks to Jesus as a person. And I, I find it very hard to, to grasp that whole thing. And I suppose during the retreat, uh, I mean, the, the things that we did and stuff like that, my wife was telling me that there would be a point, and even the speakers were saying there would be a point where you will have this uh, connection. And my wife always tells me that she always asks Jesus for a sign. And there was this one incident, you know, we were having this, uh, the healing, the healing uh, yeah. thing towards the end. And 
and I was asking Jesus for during the I mean the, the of course they, they give the psalm, the psalm had some meaning to me, and then I asked for a sign, you know, can you can you please show me a sign? Can you please call? I mean say something like you know. And the funny part is, you know the part where you throw, you take your sin and then you throw it down and then you're supposed to um, uh, burn away your, yeah. your past and all that kind of stuff. And I just I got up to go back to the line, suddenly the speaker called my name. Rubbish! I'm like, the hell? <laughs> you know, it, it was kind of weird because uh, I, I, I didn't realize that I was actually the last person. And it's, it's, it was at that moment because I was asking, Father, I mean, Jesus, can you just give me a sign, show me, call me, and then suddenly someone called my name while I was there. And I think that's when I, and then there's a few, that's another thing that happened there that gave me a sense that, okay, maybe this this is it, you know. And I suppose after that camp, then I was really looking forward to the, to the to maybe, yes, maybe I should get baptized and receive the Holy Eucharist, you know, the body of Christ in you and all that. But yeah, so... The two changing points so far in Dacia was one was that class on Mother Mary and I suppose that that, that during that, that healing session during the camp or during the retreat. Yeah. Uh, Father Clarence, if I can just bring you in this conversation right now, um, is that one of the reasons why the RCI process is quite long, eight to nine months? We give the participants some time to, well, maybe you can say wrestle with the faith and, you know, give them space and, you know, the Holy Spirit touches them. We don't know when and we don't know how and why, but uh, is, is this one of the reasons why we have a lengthy period for RCIA? Yeah, I've had this question uh, asked so many times. People come and they want to become Catholic and say, oh, why so long, you know, eight to nine months? Why can't you do it next Sunday? People, people sometimes say, say to me. But I think this is the, the reality. I think Ramesh has you know, rightly put it. It's, it's a process, you know, that he starts off with resistance and that resistance slowly begins to to change, uh, it slowly begins to encounter. So the whole RCIA process is to help people to, to encounter Jesus. It's not just, you know, pushing down some ideas and some theology and some catechism. You know, it, it's not like downloading information where you, you, plug in the, you plug in the thumb drive and then you download all the information. But all that information is given so that the person can have a personal experience. And at the end of it all, uh, the person decides, you know, that from that experience, whether he or she wants to accept Jesus uh, to be their Lord and Savior. So I think that, that nine months, it, it's, a, it's a fairly good time, I think, uh, for people to process. I know it's, it's difficult for people to commit. I'm sure, you know, Ramesh also has struggled yes. with the fact that, you know, having to go every Sunday, uh, a lot of times it's Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, it's family time. You know, you have to put that aside and, and go for this program. But it's the time to, to process. I think that's very important. And I think, you know, like from one lesson to the other, you know, some people ask me, why can't we just cram it up into three months? You know, if I come every day, can I, can I have this whole thing completed in three months? I said, it's not just about that. It's about receiving the information and allowing, it to, allowing the information to, to really, you know, seep into the person, to process it, to think, to discern, and finally make a decision. So I think, you know, even at the very end, I, I've, I've, I've come across people at the, towards the end who say, Father, I'm not ready. Uh, and said, I said, yeah, fine. I know. I said, when you are ready, you know, when you find it's the time for you to accept Jesus, uh, then you come back. So it's it's a whole. I think RCI is a journey. I think that's the word they use. It's a journey. Uh, it's it's a process uh, of encountering Jesus. And I think that's the whole uh, experience of of going through RCI. But one of the things, you no, know, Ramesh, yeah, I think you know to to ask you also, you know, a lot of people have been 
you know, I'm sure you too, you know, uh, getting ready for baptism, you know, for all the different rites, the scrutinies that are supposed to happen during Lent, you know, and, you know, suddenly everything has, has you know, been postponed. Like Kevin said at the beginning, we don't know when. Uh, we don't know when. Uh, well, what are your feelings? I'm sure what you are feeling is also a lot of people. Uh, I'm told this year uh, for the right of election, there were nearly nearly 550, 600 people uh, yeah. together. together. Yes, yeah. So a lot of people probably feel what you are feeling too. We'd like to share with our listeners you know, how you're feeling. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling... Maybe I'm not one of the... <laughs> the okay. No, because uh, I actually don't... Like I said, I think it's something like what I said before. If you haven't bought it yet, you probably don't know what you're missing. But at the same time, because of this COVID-19 MCO period, it's also given us a lot of time to do other things. Like, for example, ever since the MCO started, and then we had the mass online, which was very interesting. I remember the first day we even videotaped the whole thing. We actually had mass as a family with my in-laws and everything. And, in our living room, and then we started to have uh, to pray the rosary every day. And we've been doing it every evening since the mass, the MCO started as a family, even the two kids, you know, and even my five year old actually, be, you know, they're married for years and all that stuff. So, so, and then I suppose, then and I suppose now everyone's been sharing a lot of information, things online and stuff, and we've actually got time to read, uh, especially uh, Deacon Sherman's, uh, he had a, a video on the Holy. Week and stuff that, and actually, I'm realizing that although I'm not, we're not going for my scrutinies and baptism, uh, I'm actually learning a lot more about the Holy Week and what it's all about, Eastern stuff. I mean, like I said, um, I've been married 12 years, and for the last 12 years, we've been having Eastern stuff, but I've never actually got involved with it as the way we are now because we can do it online at home, you know, like you know, yesterday we had the we had the Holy Thursday, Monday uh, Thursday uh, mass. We followed the mass and all that stuff. So, although we're not, ha- I'm not having my baptism now. I'm not really. I, I don't look at it as I'm missing on something, but by the same time, I find it quite fulfilling because actually, what we're going through now during this period is something I've never been through before. You know that we have funny, but access to so much information. We are doing so many things as a family because we're all at home, and I've got time to actually read up, and that's what I actually do. You know, I we don't got the daily. Uh, Bible readings which I read every day and I and every other day when I've got time I read up there's someone who's posting articles, I'm reading more and more articles about the Holy Week. So I think it's kind of balances off in a sense, you know. I suppose if this didn't happen maybe if this week if the whole I mean it's it's a bit ironic, you know, we don't want it to happen, but at the same time I suppose it has a silver lining that it, it actually has given us given me time to actually understand more about what's happening. And we even stayed up that night to for to join uh, Pope Francis in the prayer. Yeah. Uh, so not these are these are things that I don't think would have happened, you know, in, in any other time. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like yesterday. I mean, normally we go for adoration, right? I mean, uh, we visit. Uh, I mean, we go to different churches and all. Yesterday we we were able to save a lot of time instead of being caught in a jam just by clicking the channels. You know what I mean? So we were able to go overseas this time. Yes. So not too bad. <laughs> So that's quite interesting, you know. So I suppose yeah. that, I mean, so I don't really, I'm not really, I don't feel that I'm affected by the, by the fact that we're not going to get baptized. I suppose it will happen, I don't know, maybe next year or something. But I, I don't think that, I don't feel like I'm losing out as much, you know, because there's so much more that I'm actually learning and gaining now at this point of time. Father, I just want to bring up something. Um, we have the baptism of desire, right? 
So, I mean, just in case in anything, does the baptism of desire come into play? Yeah, so in this context, I mean, if, for instance, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to go into that extreme situation. You know, uh, if someone is not able to receive uh, baptism for whatever reason, uh, yeah, of course, I mean, uh, the baptism of desire uh, is something that the church offers, you know, someone who in their lifetime have indicated that they wanted to be baptized, but because of circumstances, something like this have not been able to baptize. Yeah, sure, they receive that, that baptism of desire uh, that they are asking for, yeah, that, that they have that inner uh, desire. I mean, that's the word, I think, uh, to want to be baptized, but because circumstances uh, did not permit them to be baptized, actually, uh, in the way that the church would administer the sacrament of baptism. Yeah, but I'm sure all our people who are waiting will get it. That's our mm -hmm. prayer. That's our hope for them to be able to share the joy of, of baptism and the other sacraments with them. Yeah, certainly. So, Ramesh, I'm just wondering, what's your baptism name and why? Ah. Which saint Which saint did you choose? Oh, that one is uh, personal. Okay, so what happened is this. Uh, my wife is actually my best friend's younger sister. Okay, so okay. I... So he, he studied with me in, uh, in university. So I got, I got known him for one, two years ago. I think I first met my wife, she was actually 13-year-old running around again and stuff. So anyway, so my best, so his name is Aaron. And when we were in school, in university, people, we were always together. So people used to joke and say, he's my brother. So that's why we made fun of the fact that one day my name should be Moses. <laughs> Moses. So that, <laughs> I chose Moses as my uh, <laughs> name. Excellent. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your wife tricked you into choosing Moses. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now she holds my uh, brother and said she tricked she he tricked her into because he was used to when he used to come back. Was, oh, he's a great guy, he's a fantastic guy, you know. And then of course, now she married me. She says no, he's not. He's not as fast as me. Yeah, I think God has a strange way of calling us and inviting us uh, uh, to encounter Him. I think that's the beauty of it all. Yes. God of surprises. Okay. Yes. Father, also, uh, I think uh, the wife always knows best. Okay. All right. So I think we're running out of time. Uh, before we end, Father, any um some words of encouragement? You've shared a lot already, but just uh, any last words for for Moses and of course all those coming into the church. And maybe we can end with a prayer. Sure. I I think you know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people uh, have been been waiting for this moment and. I'm sure I mean, as much as there's excitement, there's also you know, some disappointment that it's not going to happen uh, this week, this weekend at Easter, uh, the Easter Vigil services. But I think this is the, the time of also of, of purification, time of waiting. And there's hope. And I think that's what Easter offers us. You know, the Easter offers us hope. Uh, so my, my, my wish and, and my hope is that all those who are, who are waiting to be baptized, you know, to continue to encounter this Jesus and not to miss this opportunity to encounter Jesus in a very profound way. And I think Ramesh has rightly put it, uh, how he has had time to, to read, his time to pray, uh, to get to know the faith. So to be able to use this time uh, to have a deeper and a more personal relationship uh, with Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. So maybe see, as we conclude, let's say a prayer. Let's pray for, for all, all those who are preparing for baptism in our churches throughout the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, we come before you today in a very special way. We thank you for the gift of salvation, of baptism that you offer to each one of us. At Easter, we are reminded of our own baptism, the gift of new life.
Today we pray especially for the many people throughout the world who had been preparing to receive those sacraments of initiation. Though they have to wait a little longer, but we ask that this time they may use to encounter you in a more profound and deeper way, to know you as their Lord and their Savior. And so we offer them, their families, their loved ones to you, and at this time you may be close to them and to reveal that your resurrection offers hope and new life to everyone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. A big thank you once again to Ramesh Sation for sharing his story as he continues his journey into the church. And also a big thank you to Father Clarence for sharing his thoughts and being on the show. Don't forget to watch our previous shows on Facebook, Catholics at Home Podcasts, and as Mark Darren Lee said, on YouTube and Spotify too. I'm Kachang Kevin on behalf of my co-host Mark Darren Lee, Father Clarence, and also Ramesh. Have a blessed Easter, and we'll see you in the next episode of Catholics at Home. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.